relish the fact that I, your leader, your narrator, the most important person in the show, am the first to welcome you back to Apartment 9. I hope you all had a lovely holiday. Our friends survived another crazy few weeks with their antics and adventures and are settling into the new year quite well. This transition into new is always interesting. It's like a come down from a nice high with no hard crash. Something has changed. It's still cold out, but there are things to do and life goes on. Speaking of which, Bradley is just about to walk in the door. Everyone, I did something special this evening. I went out and got a lottery ticket. That's not really special. Yeah, lottery tickets are like easy sex. Cheap and everywhere. (laughs) I don't think you guys understand. I really feel this one. That's what Danny said when he worked at Roosters, and we all know how that turned out. Bradley walks into the center of the living room. At least watch me scratch this ticket. Fine. Bradley pulls out a shiny new nickel from his pocket and begins scratching away. He goes through the first three lines on the scratch-off. Come on. I'm not losing hope yet. I'm losing my buzz. Anyone else want another drink? Bradley scratches off a second line. As a recovered gambler, this is sad to watch. Bradley goes through a third line and... nothing. I bet the winning number makes this ticket taste terrible. (laughs) What? I think he was making a reference. Cameron looks over at the scratch-off. Bradley, you dope. There's the bonus box at the bottom corner. Bradley excitedly begins scratching the box, slowly revealing... I I won! I won! I won the winning ticket! It, It's ours, Charlie! <laughs> Who the hell is Charlie? I never had a chance to shine, never a happy song to sing, but suddenly... All right, all right, all right. I know where this is going and it sounds terrible. Read the ticket to us. What did you win and how do you collect your winnings? Congratulations. If you scratched off the bonus box and revealed a money bag symbol, that means you won an all-expenses-paid trip to vacation at a billionaire's compound for a day, and you're welcome to invite four friends to join you on this exciting adventure. (laughs) This is why gambling sucks. You're inviting me, though, right? (laughs) Oh, I love it when something blows up in your face. Yes, Dylan, of course you're invited. And Cameron, there's no need to talk about our past sex life. Can I go too? Is this really a thing? You and Dylan are invited by default. And what about me? Oh, now you're interested? Well, an all-expenses-paid trip to listen to some stranger gloat and masturbate over how rich they are? I'm poor. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance for me. Plus, if you don't invite me, I'll just have an endless string of hookups in your bed. Fine. But who's going to be our fifth? Cameron walks over and opens the door to reveal... Mrs. Halverson! Hello! Oh, look! Now we have our fifth member of the party. What? I'm confused. What did you all just roll me into? A few days later, Bradley and the crew are on a chartered plane heading to the desert of California to meet Atticus Bourdain, one of the wealthiest people in the world. Mr. Bourdain has a 30-room mansion, an on-site brewery, full-time staff, and a mock Oval Office for when he needs to pay off elected officials to do his bidding. Ah, America. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to your chartered flight. My name is Captain Knuckles. No relation. Got a smooth flight ahead of us because I'm doing my job. And like, you slackers went in this trip like a bunch of assholes. 
Our friends look nervously at each other. I apologize for that outburst. My wife's pregnant with triplets and I'm still waiting on that raise from Mr. Bourdain. Please make sure you keep your seatbelts fastened and no smoking in the lavatory. The five of them land on a lone airstrip in the middle of nowhere. A Lincoln Navigator was waiting for them as the plane taxied. The five were quickly rushed into the SUV and they began an exciting adventure across an open plain of beautiful land. They drove through low valleys and high mountains with breathtaking views. After 30 minutes, they reached the gates of the estate. Ironclad and heavily, they opened slowly with a pompous, fuck you, I'm rich kind of attitude. As they passed through the gates, they quickly noticed the huge 30-room mansion. It appeared to be as large as a modern apartment complex. Well... This is just obscene. Imagine having to clean this place every week. Imagine the insane parties one could have in this place. So this is what a successful career can get you. I'm with Mrs. Halverson. This is too much. But also, I'm sure he has a bunch of people to clean this place for him. I finally get a taste of what it's like to live the American dream. Ah, it's magnificent. I bet this man never has a problem a day in his life. Get real, Brad. He's human just like us. Yeah, but rich! The best kind of human. (laughs) The navigator pulls up at the front of the estate. As the five get out of the SUV, they see the front door open. A tall, slender man appears out of behind the door and starts walking down the path that leads to the driveway. As he walks forward, it's clear that he is limping. He then tumbles face first into the brick. Oh shit, my face! Oh, my beautiful face! Our friends rush over to help Atticus up and see if he's okay. Ah! Ha ha ha! Gotcha! (laughs) Mr. Bourdain jumps up from the ground as his personal butler walks up behind him. Atticus Bourdain, welcome. Welcome to my humble estate. It is a pleasure to show you how I live in the hopes that I inspire you enough to make something out of your life so by the time you're in your forties, you aren't a depressed piece of shit with a bloated liver. (laughs) Mr. Bourdain, it is a pleasure to meet you. Bradley extends his hand for a handshake. Good Lord, don't ever touch me. Please, shake my butler's hand instead. It is a pleasure, sir. That said, you may call me Atticus. No need for this Bourdain business. That was my father's name. May he rest in hell. But anyway, hurry now. No time to waste. Let the tour begin. Atticus leaves them up to the front door, huge and made of solid mahogany. Mr. Bourdain slowly begins to open the door, revealing a sight to behold. A stunning, beautiful home full of expensive toys, gadgets, art, and items. Our friends run out in all different directions, excited as Mr. Bourdain watches in amusement. Look at all this stuff. It's breathtaking. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, You own the Wright Brothers airplane? The first plane to ever take flight. I do. It's on permanent loan at the National Air and Space Museum in D.C. However, I was able to snag it for today's event. Is this lingerie? Oh, that? Yes, it is lingerie. Monica Lewinsky's to be exact. History right in front of you. From the crotch. Why do you have this violin in a case? Was this the one you grew up with? Goodness, no! My parents hated me! This is the exact violin that was played as the Titanic sank. I got it for a steal after blackmailing the auctioneer. How did you blackmail the auctioneer? He's a man of fine taste who enjoys his status in the community. I threatened to out him as a drinker of boxed gas station wine. (laughs) I 
can't even imagine being so rich that that fact being exposed could crumble my world. The group walks further into the house. This layout is stunning. What building materials is your home made out of? My furniture is handmade from Italy. My home is made out of solid marble, granite, and historic stone stolen from ancient Greece. Oh, isn't that illegal? Oh, child, you have so much to learn about the wealthy. Come, quickly, let me show you my mock-over office, where I conduct my most pressing business, and also so all of you can sign release forms. They reach a wall with no markings. Watch this. Atticus knocks in specific locations, and then a tiny piano pops out, and he plays a certain set of keys. The door opens, revealing an exact replica of the United States Presidential Oval Office. Who are these people? Oh, these aren't actually human. They're my robots. They look exactly like the ones from the movie I Robot with Will Smith, just with human skin. Good eye. That's exactly the inspiration for these. Are you ready for your rusty trombone, sir? Wow! Oh, oh dear. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> please pay them no mind. Uh, they glitch out sometimes. <laughs> Atticus leads the group over to his desk. Here is where my most important deals have ever been made. I've negotiated with world leaders in this very room. Those tax cuts for the rich, that was me. Negotiated intergalactic peace... Also me. By the way, the aliens are friendly. They just don't think we're ready for them to reveal themselves. But I'm ready. My anus has been ready for years. Right there with you, friend. (laughs) This is also the same room where I taught multiple politicians how to manipulate the general public through embracing alternative facts. That's nothing to be proud of. Well, it made me richer, so I think it worked out just fine. Anyway, enough about how the sausage is made. I need you to sign these contracts. The five of them grab a pen and briskly read through the papers. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if my lawyer was present before I sign anything. Oh, sorry, my boy. If one doesn't sign, none of you get to finish the tour and the mystery prize isn't yours. Oh, come on, Cameron. Don't screw this up for us. We don't even know what we're signing, Brad. This guy flew us all the way out here just to show us his life. I think we're going to be fine. Oh, do you really think I? With a mustache as huge and beautiful as the one sitting upon my voluptuous face. Would ever lie or harm you in any way? (laughs) See? Come on, Cameron. Fine, but I'm only signing this because we're already here. Just to clarify, what exactly did we just agree to? Oh, nothing too crazy. Just in the off chance that you're injured, maimed, or killed by any of the events that take place here, I am not held responsible, and your bodies will be buried in an undisclosed location where your friends and family can find you. (laughs) But if you are able to successfully complete the tour without damaging anything, there is a mystery prize. What is it? My dear boy, it's a mystery. Good enough for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with this at all. Mm Mm-mm. The group leaves the Oval Office and heads down a hallway where they stop in front of a giant window and a door leading into a large room with what appears to be music recording instruments. This is my state-of-the-art radio studio. I do my weekly podcast recordings in here. Maybe you've heard of it? I'm wealthy and you're my peasant? Ha 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 ha. No? Well, I'm syndicated on the same network as Rush Limbaugh and reach over five million listeners. 
They say it's my golden mic that makes me famous. Alison goes for the door. Excuse me, dear. What are you doing? I, I need this radio booth. I, I need your golden mic. I deserve this more than you. Alison begins ramming her body into the door, banging her fists on it, trying to break it down. My dear, if you keep this up, you won't win your mystery prize. Damn you! My mystery prize! All these years is this. I've worked my ass off watching less qualified people climb above me, gloating about it, enjoying mimosas. It's my time. Alison breaks through the door and enters the room. No, stop. Come back. Alison sits down at the desk and looks over all the controls. How do I turn this on? Well, I see there is no stopping you. So I will ask you this one thing. Atticus snaps his fingers and the butler runs up to him with a stack of papers. This is a contract. If you're willing to sign with my radio station, then the fame is all yours. That's all. Indeed. Alison signs the paperwork, then heads back to the booth. Now, there are a few stipulations. Like? First of all, you will be required to open your show with a song. That's fine. The song you have to play is Weird Al's Headline News. <laughs> Why? No one's going to take that song seriously. It's just a parody of another song. We're also going to be changing your format a little. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Five million daily listeners, Allison. What kind of changes? You will purposely give out bad advice. Now that's just ridiculous. You can't do that to Allison. Her show is all she's got going for her. Thanks, Mrs. H. <laughs> Oh, some pathetic whiny show about feelings and redemption. It makes me sick. See? I just threw up a little. Oh, you're just being dramatic. So let's just say, for example, someone calls in saying they know their mother is cheating on their father, and he's not sure if he should confront his mother about it and tell her to do the right thing, or blackmail her and make some quick cashish off the side. What? do you advise him to do? I tell him to confront his mother and recommend that his parents get couples counseling. No! Blackmail that woman for everything she's worth! Pinch her dry! <laughs> Mr. Bourdain, that is highly unethical. She signed the contract! She wanted the fame! Atticus locks the door to the studio, trapping Allison inside. You better make good on your contract, Allison, or I'll make sure you never work in this industry again! Atticus turns to the group and motions for them to keep moving. Will Allison be okay? Oh, patience, my dear. We have so much time and so little to do. Oh, uh, wait. Scratch that. Reverse it. The group, now one smaller, continues the tour. This next room is one of my favorites. It's a representation through my robots of the American dream. This is amazing. It's like being at Disney's Carousel of Progress, right? Except nobody's trying to burn the roast. Ooh, well done. Astute observation. Now. Would anyone like to interact with this demonstration? Nervous from how the last situation went, everyone is cautious to speak up. I guess I will. Oh, my boy, you won't regret it. Bradley walks into the modern-looking kitchen. Wow. You know, this isn't that bad. The kitchen table is a beautiful mahogany. Modern appliances that seem to solve all of our first-world problems. <gasps> oh, my. And the window curtains are ethically sourced. Wait, why isn't the kitchen table ethically sourced as well? Saying you can ethically craft a mahogany table is like saying we can mine lithium for phone batteries without child labor. It simply can't be done. You've got to splurge a little. As Bradley continues to interact with the set, Mrs. Halverson comes over to Atticus. Don't think I wasn't able to catch your little quip when we first entered the room. I beg your pardon? Well done, astute observation. You think I'm some floozy? Some dime a dozen idiot. I'm sharper than a shark's tooth, Mr. Bourdain. Prove it! 
These robots are sixth generation Boston Dynamic builds released in late 2019 running AT Software 3.12a. This set was also featured in the Hard to Get magazine Tomorrowland, subscription available only by word of mouth. Goodness, I'm impressed. Never judge a pickled herring by its skin. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Bradley, you've had your fun. Let's move on to the next room. Oh, what's the harm in indulging me a little? I'd much prefer to keep moving forward. No, I won this ticket fair and square. I want to see the robots. Bradley, we must move on. Please, respect my wishes. You force me to leave, and I destroy this set. Atticus walks toward Bradley, setting Bradley off into a rage, breaking glassware, kicking in cabinet doors, and ripping up the kitchen curtains. <gasps> Not my ethically sourced curtains! Come on, Bradley, this is childish. Whilst Bradley destroys another object, one of the robots walks closer to him. Please don't destroy my home, the only place I've ever known. I'll destroy whatever I want. Bradley goes to punch the robot in the chest. Oh, God! I think I just broke my hand. Oh, Crone! Atticus's personal butler runs into the room. Yes, sir? Apprehend Bradley here and lock him in one of my sex dungeon holding cells. I won't have him damage any more of my property. Right away, sir. You'll be sorry, Atticus! How dare you ruin this vacation! All I wanted was a taste of the good life. You're rich! Have mercy on me! My, oh my, everyone is dropping like flies. Ah, but not you three. Hmm, yes, I would wager that you're all some very good poker players. Mrs. Halverson, Cameron, and Dylan look at each other, bewildered by this statement. The next room we're approaching holds one of the next wonders of the world. It is truly an innovation for the insane gambler. Behold, I present to you the slot machine. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, you know, what the hell? I'll bite. How does this work? It's a hybrid slot machine sex toy. We're preparing to sell this to all the casinos in Las Vegas. It works like any other typical slot machine would. You pull the lever, maybe you win, you probably don't, but by unzipping your pants and placing your member in the hole, you win every time. Is there a uh, female version as well? I have top engineers designing that attachment now. We just keep running into this pesky issue with the mechanical jaw wearing out too quickly. Dylan walks up to the slot machine. It's beautiful. Isn't it? (laughs) We had a chance to cure cancer, but I was like, hell no! The world needs a blowjob slot machine. Can I try it out? Well, it's not entirely ready, but sure, why the hell not? Mrs. H, I think it's better if you don't see this. You know, I'm just going to leave the room for this one. Just come get me when we're ready for the next thing. After Mrs. H closes the door, Dylan sits down on the slot machine. You know, this is pretty sturdy. It can hold up to 600 pounds. (laughs) Ha! Yeah, 600 pounds in my pants. (laughs) As Dylan pulls the lever, the numbers spin and the machine comes to life. Nice! I won 25 bucks! Yes, yes, well done. Now... Push the giant button that looks like a pair of lips. Dylan pushes the button. The slot machine starts vibrating. Prepare yourself, son. You're about to experience the future of sexual intercourse. Everything appears to be going right until a trapdoor opens beneath Dylan, dropping him into the depths below. I regret nothing! Please don't tell my parents how this high went out. <laughs> Slight malfunction, my boy. Don't you worry. I thought that was supposed to pleasure him, not suck him into oblivion. 
At least it did some sucking, and into oblivion doesn't sound too bad to me. Where's that pipe taking him? Probably the furnace. The furnace? Yes, yes, indeed. On second thought, that pipe definitely leads to the furnace. Why the hell does it lead to the furnace? Well, if it had worked my way, the goal was for it to be realistic. That means you want the sensation to be warm. Could it be cold? Or maybe it could. Say, are any of you or anyone you know into the whole ice cubes in the mouth thing? Atticus, we need to save Dylan. Right. Oh, Crone! Yes, sir? Run on down to the furnace room and check and make sure it's turned off before our lovely boy Dylan here is burned to a crisp. Right away, sir. As Crone leaves, Cameron and Atticus meet up with Mrs. H in the hallway. Where's Dylan? He died. What? No, I'm only kidding. But there was a slight malfunction of the slot machine. He might be stuck in a furnace. It's, you know, it's, it's just this crazy thing. But I'm sure he's fine, okay? I've got Crone on the job. Oh, he's such a sweet boy. Please don't kill him. Moving on swiftly, this next room is my cheese parlor. I have collected over 150 types of cheese with a special collection dedicated to... Cheese heads! <laughs> Mrs. H runs closer to inspect the different types of cheese heads. There's cheese bougemi, a personal favorite. Agreed. <gasps> oh, Melinda, you have John Gudeman? That I do. He's a hard one to find. I've read about him in Cheese Weekly, and they say they only release a handful of these a year. Mrs. Halverson goes in for a bite. Uh, ma'am, please don't. Oh, are you sure? I would love to try a bite. How about you play for it? I beg your pardon? Let's say... If you're able to eat the entire John Goodman bust of cheese, which, by the way, is 72 ounces, you can take home a brand new John Goodman, cheese buscemi, Havarti Firestein, and as a special, I'll throw in... I'll do it. <laughs> I was nominated Cheesehead of 1989, and I swore an oath to never let that title down. Unlike my competitor, Loretta Van Cheeserson IV. Three immigrants set the stage by bringing out a table, a chair, and a brand new... John Goodman. Mrs. H, are you sure you can do this? What's your secret? When I ate those golf balls years ago, it ended up stretching my stomach. This guy doesn't stand a chance. That's amazing. Yeah, but I don't plan on getting that drunk ever again. Golf balls, Kimmy. Not even once. <laughs> Mrs. H walks over to the table and sits down, fork and cheese knife in hand. Good luck, Mrs. Halverson. You're going to need it. On his mark... Mrs. H begins to consume John Goodman. Bite after bite, she begins to make her way into this giant bust of cheese. You know, Atticus, we're going to have to make a cheese bust after me. Once I win. I'll believe it when I see it. Even those who have been able to eat this much cheese haven't come away unscathed. The last person who ate this much cheese blew an O-ring while straining on the toilet. (laughs) Ten minutes pass, and Mrs. H is three-fourths of the way done. She lets out a sigh and puts down her utensils. Come on, Mrs. H, you can win this. Do it for cheese lovers around the world. Uh... Just needed to make some room. (laughs) After ten minutes pass and Mrs. H takes her final bite, she has won the competition. Although victorious, it is clear consuming so much cheese has left her in a partial state of comatose. Take that, Mr. Wardane. I am the cheese queen. I'll hail the cheese queen. You know, out of everyone who's gotten in trouble today, I think you're the one I'm most worried about. Congratulations, Mrs. H. What are you going to do with your prizes? Write love letters to them. (laughs) 
Atticus motions for his butler. Make sure you take our cheese queen down to the medical for observation. You'll probably need laxatives. Oh, and let her use the toilet with the extra strength suction. (laughs) Yes, sir. Very good, sir. Three immigrants place Mrs. Halverson haphazardly onto a cart. Essentially comatose, her gaze is aimless as she looks around the room, drooling in a stupor. Just so you know, dear, this means you don't get the mystery prize. When you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. The three assistants wheel Mrs. H out of the room as she sings God Save the Queen to herself. Well, I have to say, my dear boy, this has been a successful day. Successful? How? Mrs. H might have to pass a bowel movement the size of a small sedan, Dylan's missing inside your sex pipes, Bradley has a broken hand, and Allison is locked into a contract that would make a lawyer blush. All positives on my end, that means less people to give a prize to. First of all, Mrs. H just ate the prize of mountain cheese, and second, what now? Do I get a test? My oh my, so demanding. However, yes, I do have something prepared for you, Cameron. The two of them slowly walk to the next room. As they peer into the window, they see a dark room with two spotlights and two chairs. In one of the chairs sits a man. Who is one person you haven't spoken to in a while? Cameron pauses to think. My father? Well done, my boy. He's right there in that chair waiting for you. Cameron stares into the window, observing his father. So, what? I don't talk to him and I win? No, quite the opposite. You lose if you don't talk to him. Wait, why did you set this up? What were you expecting? It says here in my notes. Hold on. It's like page 30 or something. Ah, here we go. You have a terrible relationship with your father. So, to win the prize, you have to endure the grueling task of talking with your father. (laughs) What's so funny? I I have a pretty decent relationship with my father. Cameron pops in the door and waves to his dad. Hey, Pops! Hey, son. Are you winning? Uh, I I don't know yet. Let's grab a drink soon. Okay. Love you, son. Hey, love you too, Pops. Cameron closes the door and confronts Atticus. So, there you go. Wait! No! That doesn't count! Actually, it does. Then the rules, champ. I won whatever the hell it is. But there was supposed to be an explosion of anger! A fight! Two men fisting each other! I don't think you know what that means. Oh, punching each other in the face! You know, brawling like a bar fight! (laughs) You definitely don't know what that means. I went through all this work, and you're the sore thumb of the group? Hey, we're out of five ain't bad. Oh, worthless! Oh, this whole trip ruined! Now I have to give you the prize! Atticus hands over an envelope. Cameron slowly opens it. Congratulations. You've won a $25 gift card for Olive Garden. <laughs> Good at all locations in the United States, Canada, and Alan Alda's private residence location. That's it? My friends and I go through all of this in an attempt to win some crummy gift card? Son, you need to learn the value of a dollar. Cameron's face turns red. He lunges towards Atticus, fists raised. You selfish son of a bitch! At lightning speed, Cameron punches Atticus in the face and tackles him to the ground, both of them wailing on each other, drawing blood. You've been such an asshole this entire time. My friends have been trapped and harmed, and all you wanted was to cheat us out of a prize? You're an inhuman monster! I'm a wealthy man! I can do as I please, you worthless peasant! Atticus gets himself off the ground and puts some distance between him and Cameron. He then pulls out a loaded gun. Whoa, 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 hey. 
Nobody needs to lose a life here. You bruised my ego. Of course you have to die. Let me sign a contract. I can be quiet. Oh, yes. You will be very quiet. Oh, thank goodness. It was only a dream. Guys, I was only dreaming. Yeah, no shit. You said you were going to take a nap here on the couch before we went to hit me again. What happened? It was crazy. You won a trip to this billionaire's house, and, and he trapped and tortured us, and, and then he shot me in the face. Sounds like a typical night in Dick Cheney's basement. <laughs> I'm just glad that's over. Hey, guys, you'll never believe it. I just won an all-expenses-paid trip. We're all heading to California. <laughs> Voicing our regular cast, Max Ice as Bradley, Atticus of Bourdain, and the Robots, Jeff Freitner as Cameron and the Airline Pilot, Chase Grant as Dylan, Shannon Hall as Mrs. Halverson, Zachary Raw as Cameron's dad, and me, Ian Shaw as your narrator and Mr. Bourdain's butler. Today's episode was written and directed by Zachary Raw and edited by Jason the Vern Hemming. Our theme song was written and recorded by Lana White and produced by Dave Anderson. Bill's Crowd was created by R.L. Terry and is produced by Daniel Mescal. Connect with our show on social media at Force Crowd Pod on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow Mrs. Halverson on Instagram at Mrs. Halverson Only Fans. If you would like to support the show, head over to our Patreon or Coffee pages. See you next time in Apartment 9. One, two, three, four,